Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein. Hey everybody, this is Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein, and I am thrilled to welcome you back to Our Tribe, the podcast. In this episode, we sit down with the talented actress, Jackie Rosenbaum, and we hear Jackie's story about how she was a rising star in Hollywood, and she had a spiritual awakening, and she took the whole thing to Israel, sort of had a hiatus, a break, and then eventually realized that she really needs to be back in the thick of things in North America. This episode is sponsored generously by Elite Judaica, shopelitejudaica.com. Elite Judaica is amazing. You guys have to check it out. It's laser-cut custom Judaica. It's absolutely stunning, these pieces that uh, the artist Ahuva makes, and she'll customize it according to your specifications, to whomever you want to dedicate it. It is beautiful stuff. Please check it out and consider purchasing a piece from Elite Judaica. Now enjoy the episode of Our Tribe. Okay, this is Our Tribe podcast, and we are here with Jackie Rosenbaum from Toronto. And thank you so much, Jackie, for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So Jackie, uh, Jackie, I understand that you are a, an actress and you're a voiceover artist and probably many other things as well. So <laughs> I would, I would just probably. love to, what, what was that? Probably. probably right. Everyone is. Yeah. So I would just love to, uh, to have you tell your story, how you, how you got to where you are professionally and, and go ahead. What's your story? Okay, sure. So my story is maybe a little bit different from a lot of people's. There's a bit of like twists and turns, perhaps, but I'll start toward the beginning, um, career-wise, which is um, I decided to be responsible and wait until I was like 18 or almost 18 to get an agent. I was always drawn to acting from a really, really, really young age. Just I didn't even know what it meant or what it was, but I was just somehow really intuitively drawn to it. And I started taking classes and then I started like competing in these little, you know, stage festivals and stuff. And I started doing well and, you know, and, um, you know, winning some uh, competitions and then getting roles in school plays, obviously, like everybody tells you know, <laughs> and, um, and taking more and more seriously, the studying part. And then, yeah, I decided to like, you know, wait until I was like done high school to try to get an agent. And, um, I ended up getting an agent just before my 18th birthday. And I started, uh, you know, booking like voiceover roles first, and then some small TV roles, and then some bigger TV roles. And then, um, by the end, before the end of that year, the truth is I was actually in my last year of high school because I'm in Canada and we had this thing called OAC year. So we did like a fifth year of high school kind of thing. So <laughs> I wasn't that responsible after all, I guess. But um, by the end of that year, I actually ended up um, booking a pilot, a Disney pilot, pilot for a Disney series. So that was... Um, uh, about a month or two before I started university, which was, I was, um, I decided to go to a theater program at University of Toronto. Okay. And about a, like a month or two before I started that, I booked this Disney pilot. So I was like, that's cool. Like, that's like awesomely, excitingly amazing. And, um, you know, and it's so funny because I didn't grow up religious 
And even then, when I got that, because I, I really thought I screwed up my third audition, actually, my th- like my third callback. That was like when all the producers came from L.A. and whatever. I was so nervous. I was so in over my head, right? Like I never, I was so new to the whole thing. And I was so nervous and I really thought I screwed it up. And then I was, um, because I thought that I screwed it up and lost it, um, that kind of actually put me in the mindset of like, oh my gosh, like what's wrong with me? Like this would have been perfect. It's such a fun role. And it's what, because I was always, I was actually nervous really to be like on TV. You know what I'm saying? Like people think that you become an actor because you want to be on TV or you want to be seen or you want to, I don't know what, but I just, you know, I mean, most people, hopefully they also love acting, you know what I'm saying? But I was very, I was like, extraordinarily like whatever self-conscious or whatever about the actual like idea of like being out there you know it just happens to be that acting is more of a spectator sport than let's say like visual art I'm just not good at visual arts I don't have that option of like doing my creative creativity whatever creative thing and in the comfort of my own home and like away from people and not being so exposed personally you know so I was a little bit grappling with that at the beginning um I mean, I still sometimes do because <laughs> it is a kind of weird, you know, phenomenon. But anyway, so after I thought I lost it, then all of a sudden I was free to realize like, what is wrong with me? Why was I so like, you know, I was like sabotaging. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, because I thought I lost it, I realized how silly that was that I was, you know, so nervous about it. And I was like, I love doing this. It's such a fun role. It's such a like, what's the big deal, you know? And because I had that already mindset, then when I all of a sudden got, um, you know, this, uh, the, the, the contract or whatever, like out of nowhere, I was like, oh my gosh, I still got it. I actually booked it, even though I screwed up so bad in the last thing, because I was like so flustered and nervous. So then it really allowed me like, to fully appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to if I hadn't thought that I lost it, I wouldn't have, I still would have probably been so caught up in the nervousness of it. I would have been like, oh no, it would have been a lot more bittersweet of like, oh no, I'm going to actually like be on something bigger. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, and I remember even though like I wasn't religious at the time, I remember I, when I got that contract, I like went into my room and I was like, okay, this is weird. I'm like, this, this, this must be from God. Cause I don't know what this, this doesn't like happen. You know what I mean? And at the time, because I didn't know like exactly what God like was or how to relate to that whole thing. I was just like, okay, like you don't have to do anything else for me for the rest of my life. Don't worry. Like, I don't know how to possibly, you know, like express gratitude for this or like give back anything. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. This, this is like too amazing. So like, okay, I'm good for now. Don't worry. Like uh, <laughs> I'm good for me. And this is sort of like when I was 18 anyway. So that was like my first like major, I think, right. Um, role. I ended up going to university anyway, and thinking that I was going to continue university. And then, you know, we were shooting, oh, it went to series. It was one, you know, um, season and we shot it over that summer. And then it was spilling out into the, my second year of university. So I missed too many classes because they have a rule. You're not allowed to miss more than two performance classes because you can't really make them up. It's not like a lecture. You could get the notes, you know what I'm saying? So they just have a general rule. If anybody misses two classes or more than two classes for any reason, they can't finish the year, whichever year. So um it was interesting because <laughs> one of my teachers was actually a guest lead on one of the episodes. Um mm-hmm. the day of that of that Disney series, the day that I had him, 
as like we had him on Wednesdays. And then all of a sudden I get to set on that Wednesday and he's there, you know, (laughs) I guess I don't want to give away exactly who he played, but anyway, it was, it was really, really funny. But, um, but everybody kind of understood. They're like, listen, we're in theater school. We get it. You know, if you're already acting, like, why should we punish you for, you know, for missing classes to shoot? But there was one, like, upper year student or something who found out somehow, I don't know how, and she told, you know, like the dean or something. And then the dean basically had no choice. And she came to me and she said, listen, you know, you're welcome to re-audition next year and come back. We're happy to have you, but you know, rules are rules. And, you know, you missed too many, you know, in the first month, <laughs> I missed two, you know, more than two classes for, for shooting that series. So, um, and it ended up being a blessing, you know, because it was early enough in the year that I got most of the tuition money back. And it was even the producers of that were telling me like a lot of people who come from theater background need to relearn things when they get into film because it's they are different they're different media so they were saying to me like why are you even going back like why are you trying to do theater school you're already working like usually you just you know we need to unlearn things or whatever but anyway whatever I I was on that trajectory already I wanted to do it but they were probably right at that time it was just the right thing to just you know continue forward with work so anyway whatever the next few years I you know I was um doing also more um, voiceover stuff like uh, leads in animated series, which is so much fun, so much fun. And I did a few TV movies. Um, I did one that was also really, really fun, which was produced by like Britney Spears and her mom, Lynn Spears, uh, based on a book that they wrote together. It was called Brave New Girl. It's a really good movie, actually. (laughs) And everyone on all of my projects were just so nice. I just had the most wonderful experience the the whole time. And I did um, uh, a movie called Twitches, which is, I think, one that 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 I'm most like, you know, recognized for or remembered for still twitches with um, Tia and Tamara Mori from Sister Sister back in the day. I don't know if that's also like, uh, you know, I'm sure some of our audience will, will know what you're talking about. Could be. <laughs> anyway. Know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool that you, you shouldn't. It would kind of be weird if you did, honestly. Okay. <laughs> like, shouldn't be watching like tween sort of, uh, you know. Yeah focused uh stuff so yeah um (laughs) and and if you do then it's good that you're pretending that you don't know Ah. you know well said kind of yeah (laughs) anyway so yeah so that's basically um you know the beginning if you will beginning okay yeah but it's interesting you mentioned what when you were talking about your first landing your first major role you talked about how you felt disappointment in yourself at your performance and that I think if I understand correctly you said that gave you enough separation from the experience to feel that when you ultimately landed the the role you felt that it was it was really beyond you it wasn't coming from your own strengths and talents you know interesting I actually wasn't thinking about it that way but that's a really that's probably also true what I was more thinking of is like you know when you're Like, let's say, you know, like someone asks you to like speak in front of like, you know, 500 people or something. Right. So like on the one hand, you want to say like, oh, I know that this is like a good opportunity or whatever. But for me anyway, my first reaction would be like, no, thanks. I'm just going to stay home and not speak in front of 500 people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like there's always this like push and pull about like it's a good thing to do and it could, you know, whatever. But like you you don't really want to be public speaking. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like people have to really, I mean, I also, I had to really, really, I mean, just to put that into context, I, um, 
I, I, I like I quit piano when I was like eight. I was taking piano and I loved it. And then after six months, my teacher said something about a recital. And then I was like, wait, what do you mean recital? No one said anything about a recital. He's like, yeah, if you're taking piano, you have to do a recital. I'm like, I don't want to do a recital. I just want to learn how to play piano so I can play piano. I don't, I don't, I I was not interested in performing in front of people. I just like piano. And then he was like, oh, well, too bad, whatever. So I went home and I told my parents I wanted to quit piano because I didn't realize that he's just one teacher of many and that I could just switch teachers and not have to do a recital if I didn't want to. Do you know what I'm saying? But it was so not my nature. Like, it's just funny because people don't think that about actors in general and let's say me now I'm like much more comfortable thank god in general even though still if somebody asked me to speak in front of 500 people my still my initial first reaction is like oh gosh don't make me but um you know but now like you know you learn intellectually like okay you have to write the occasion it's going to be fine you prepare and you help and whatever you know what I mean but I but when I started studying um acting which was when I was about 11 my friend invited me you know to go I was talking about these um competitions that we used to do that was just the structure of how she did her classes so because I remembered about the piano thing before when my friend uh invited me to take drama lessons with her I said um because she you know those were the games that I like to play like we were you know and I loved it and it was so much fun she's like why don't you take this class with me I'm like does she make us perform in front of people because if she does I'm out like I totally meant it I was like I just want to do it because I love it. And it's the funnest thing in the world. But she goes, listen, we do, but she doesn't force anybody to, right? But by the time, you know, we all rehearse together and we all go together and you feel comfortable by the time we're up to it, it's fine. I was like, as long as she doesn't force, then fine. You know what I'm saying? But she was right, of course. And by the time I got, you know, we were all doing it together and we like rehearsed and everything. So by by that time, yeah, you feel more comfortable and of course experience also like on the stage or whatever is also what helps build more confidence about like okay I've done this before I could do it again it's okay it's not such a right but like it it was really really uh something I had to really overcome and it wasn't something that I was I guess I didn't really think so hard about it when you like something as a kid you just like it and I wasn't thinking like as a career or whatever that you need to be in front of people wow this is a really long answer for me just I just remembered why I went into all of this because it's when you said that when I got it when I thought that I lost it that separation that was created so that's where I'm coming from that that initial like oh my gosh I need to speak in front of 500 people or oh my gosh this is going to be aired on the Disney channel in front of I don't know who you know what I'm saying that's the first thing that's what I was kind of resisting that's what I was nervous about mm-hmm. that's that and, and I feel like that would have overshadowed I think the positivity of the like oh my gosh I booked this great role and it's so fun and it's a great gig and it's gonna be amazing like I was too nervous about the exposure at that time you know there's still it's always that's what that's what it was and then when that's gone because it's like oh great I, I I thought I screwed it up you know that was my first probably major like you know when the, the the producers fly in from LA and you're you know what I'm saying I was doing the same like scenes but all of a sudden I was just like oh my gosh like what am I doing here what's happening you know what I mean I was just really like not used to that and it was hard as like right an 18 year old who just joined like just started auditioning less than a year earlier you know it was like a, it was like a little overwhelming so then I'm saying when when I thought that the opportunity or the possibility was was lost, then I could see it with objectivity because I wasn't nervous anymore because I didn't think I was going to be 
performing in front of people. Like I didn't, you know, saying I wasn't going to be speaking in front uh-huh. of five thousand people anymore, or whatever the case may be. So when that when that was taken away, then I was able to see clearly. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why did I let that fear stop me from something I love to do and that, like a great opportunity? It was a really fun project. So because that's that's what I mostly then I was able to like when I got it back, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I appreciated it, and I was able to put the fear in perspective. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you saying that up until that point, you, even though you were acting in theater and, and plays, you, you still felt that trepidation, that fear of being in front of an audience. And at that point you got over it or this, or it was something different between local stuff and something that's, that was on Disney channel. And it's going to be seen by millions of people. I think the latter, (laughs) because I also was, you know, I did like, um, I did like some, you know, shows on like YTV, which is a local, like a, a, a Toronto station. It's basically like an equivalent of a Disney-ish, I think, sort of thing. It's like a kid's station, you know, I did one of those. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, and I, and I, I was nervous a little bit about those also, but I was like, ah, who's going to see it? You know what I mean? Like there was still that kind of level of protection. And then when it was like, okay, Disney, like people have heard of Disney. This is like gonna, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Not like it was such a big deal anyway. Like you blow things out of proportion in your head, you know what I'm saying? But it's, but it, there, there's always that because also with it, you know, there's that exposure, like, especially for the people who are, um, creatives in any field, I think they understand the level of exposure. Like when you're exposing like your art and you're open to, you know, and people are, who knows what people say. And there's like sometimes haters and I don't know what, I don't think I was even thinking about that. I was just just in general, <laughs> nervous to just be, yeah, that exposed. Okay, got it. So then once you started landing roles in films and TV films and voiceovers, um, where, tell, go, continue, continue the story from there, please. Okay, so what actually happened was that I, you know, I was always as probably as evident from the earlier story, I, I kind of always felt like, you know, God is like, something you know what I mean like but I didn't really know what and I was always you know my family did a little bit of stuff Judaism wise but not everything I didn't know a lot of things you know but I always felt that I always felt connected and I I I always wanted to like learn more so then at a certain point I was I was at university actually I decided to stay and take like part-time classes in university even when I was working and everything you know I was living downtown I was you know working and auditioning and I was like ah you know I'll take some classes out of interest whatever and um it's funny I actually the brave new girl that I mentioned that was actually shooting on my campus it was on University of Toronto campus was where it was shooting and I was missing um like all the lectures in a particular like one of the classes that I was taking every single lecture was a shoot date for me for this it was like a six-week shoot and I was like I don't know it was just amusing to me that I was like missing my classes but on the campus anyway I was like maybe I could just like dart in for an hour but no mm-hmm. so so then after the six-week shoot which basically took out the whole like first um I don't even remember what you call it anymore it's not a semester it's like the first half of the semester or whatever until the midterm you know Order. sure Okay. <laughs> All the university students listening to this are going to think I'm like, so, you know, yeah. so at it. I mean, I, I didn't spend that much time in university to be fair. So, okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess court or whatever up until the, the midterm. So I ended up um, taking my midterm for that class, like the week after we wrapped, you know, cause it was a six week semester and a six week shoot. So it was like the first time I was on that campus again. 
um, basically in that building. So like after the exam, I was like looking at the bulletin boards and I was like, Hey, what's new on, you know, around whatever. And I happened to have seen a poster for something called, uh, the Maimonides program. Have you heard of that? Sure. Yeah. So that was the first time that Maimonides was in Canada at all. And I found out later that they actually were debating because they knew that they weren't going to be able to start at the beginning of the semester, which would have been right. The right time, the right time to start. So they figured instead of waiting, losing that whole semester and then waiting till the summer then waiting till the start of the new year, they're like, you know what? We'll do an abridged one. We'll start in the middle of the, whatever (laughs) in the middle of the semester. And that's the only reason that I got to do it because I actually, that turned out to be my last, um, semester as a student there I didn't end up taking more classes I think after that so I ended up like just making it to do that program and it was you know about again like um some just like uh, classes about Judaism once a week and then they did some um um trips or whatever went to like a basketball game and we did like um Shabbat sometimes at you know people's houses in the community whatever so that I was like very interested in that anyway so I was like okay that sounds interesting I guess whatever so that ended up um um you know like really answering a lot of questions like it was very obvious to me to me personally that the answers really resonated with me right away whereas a lot of the other people in the class were like you know what about this this doesn't make sense and what about this you know feminist concept and this and that and like I totally got where everyone was coming from but I ended up right away kind of being on the other side of the argument no it does make sense because you know like a relationship and it's like this and I'm like I don't know where I you know (laughs) where I got all that but to me it happened to have like made sense very quickly and um you know so anyway, I ended up going to Israel on one of their trips. And, and that was major for me because I didn't even want to take one day off ever just because of like, I loved auditioning even, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I was sure that like the one day that I was going to go away, I'm going to miss this perfect audition or whatever. That was just my mindset. Like I loved it so much. I never wanted to be away. And I wasn't like, it's like, you know, I didn't want a vacation from it. It was my, it was, it was better than a vacation for me, you know, like acting, auditioning, whatever it was. So I ended up when I decided to go to Israel for like, I think it was four to six weeks at the beginning. It was like major. It was like unheard of, you know? And, um, you know, look, I don't know what I missed in the meantime, but I definitely learned a lot when I was there. (laughs) And then, you know, and then I came back and I continued working and then I decided I wanted to go back for a little bit longer. I decided I want to go back to learn for about six months. And it was, it was hard for, you know, whatever. There was, again, like a balance of stuff and it was hard I was for your agent. lucky that, huh? It was hard for your agent. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And, 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 and he's, he is literally, he's like the best because I, no, he really is. I don't know. It, it was very hard. He, he, which again, I, because I, I fell into really the professional world. So I don't want to say haphazardly, but I really, I, I, I didn't under, you know, I didn't have a business mind about it. I didn't have like an ambitious sort of like, you know, networky schmoozy. Like I was so, so disconnected from any of those sort of things of the, of the, of the industry. I just was like, when I would get an audition, I would be like, Oh, amazing. Like I would just look at the script. I would see when I have to, you know, where I have to go and when, and just 
focus on the work. Like I wasn't like, you know, I would go sometimes to audition rooms and I would hear people asking the casting director, like, Oh, how did your daughter's whatever go? And I was just like, what the, like, how does anyone, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't, you know what I'm saying? I didn't think of things like that. Or when let's say my, my first agent, this was, this is a different agent that you're talking about. But my first agent, after I booked in a heart, you know, he told me that he booked me um, meetings with these casting directors. And he's telling me like, you, which first of all, I didn't even understand why at the time, because I just was so disconnected from anything behind, you know, I was just like, when I get an audition, I go, that's, that's all I know. Like, I, you know, do that, whatever, the scene work. And that's it. He was telling me like, you know, you need to tell them that you were the, there was like an ensemble cast of like six of us, let's say, I guess you could say, (laughs) and but there were six like main characters or whatever-ish. And um, he goes, you need to tell them that you were the first person they booked. You know, they all like, they all decided on you. And then while I was going, I was like having wardrobe fittings, I would hear the, you know, the producers and whoever like talking about, you know, should we cast this guy or that guy? And they were asking my opinion, like, who do you think is cuter? Would guys think, girls think this guy is cute? Like, you know what I'm saying? They were still deciding who. And I was like, I'm not going to tell them that. I'm like, you tell them if you want to tell them that. I'm like, whoa, I, I was like, that's so obnoxious. Like, who talks like that? You know what I mean? I was like, and he was just like, oh gosh, like, what am I, you know? So I don't think I even ended up having those meetings. Like, I don't, I just was, you know, I, it was just so not my scene. Like I had no idea anyway, but thank God I ended up still <laughs> booking work, even though I was like, this agent was probably whatever, who knows. But anyway, so my, so then my, um, I ended up switching agents just for, you know, different technical reasons or whatever. And, and, and my, my agent that you were talking about that was that I that I was with when I started going to Israel um he he's such a doll and he's so like again only because of my like you know un um what's the right word for it like I was just so not like not knowledgeable and just not like basically I like out to lunch at this point I would see it as out to lunch but I, I didn't think of it then as out to lunch because I didn't think that I didn't think of it as a business you know what I'm saying I just thought of it as like like, oh, this is what I'd love to do. And if, if I could, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to go to LA. I didn't want to, I didn't understand about let people try to like further their career. Like it sounds insane, but like, I was just so innocent. Like the, I just got into it so innocently. And so just out of like, wow, I just can't imagine doing, spending most of my day doing anything else that it just, you know, but I didn't think of it as a business. And even when my friends from, you know, Toronto, from the, the Toronto working scene were starting to go to pilot season, right? It, it, back then it was like, you know, January, February, March, people would like move to LA if they didn't live there already. And they would just shack up there for, you know, three months. And I guess they had, you know, they would get representation there. They would live there and they would audition for the pilots that are going on in, in LA around that time. Because what happens is if you book a pilot, right? If one of the networks wants you in a role for one of their pilots, then they take care of your work visa, you know, and then you can work in, in America as an actor, you know, which is like amazing, of course, when I think about it now. And when my friends were like, why don't you come with us to pilot season? Like, come on. And I'm thinking like, I'm already like, I, I like where I live. I like what I'm doing. I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? I'm, 
feel very blessed that I get to make my living doing something I love that I love more than doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like I would rather do acting than like have fun or take a vacation. Like it was, it was better than that for me. I'm like, I'm happy living where I am doing, you know, working. Like why should I move somewhere else to maybe work? Cause whatever. I just wasn't, I just did not have that mindset at all. I didn't understand any of the, like building your career, like, which is, pretty normal. But I guess when it's a creative field, I really, it's not that I didn't think of it as a career, of course, because, you know, if I was earning money doing it, thank God, and was very, very grateful to be able to do that. But I wasn't, I just wasn't, I'm just not naturally the kind of like, you know, ladder climbing, thinking ahead and whatever. And that's why I was like, so I was so out of it when even when my agent was telling me a normal thing about like, I want to like, like give you meetings with casting directors. Like I, I was, I was so out of the mindset of the business aspect. Like I would have needed to be told at that time, like, well, you know, casting directors, you know, they, when we submit you, the casting directors decide who is going to get the audition and not. So if they don't know you yet because you're new, maybe if you meet them and tell them that you are booking things, then they are more likely to like, you know, to like accept you for auditions or like, I like I would have been needed to told that it's, it's, it's such an obvious sentence to everybody, especially in the business, then nobody realizing, and I didn't know what was right. Nobody would think that you need to tell somebody that, but I was just so like, I was so just into the love and the creativity of it that it just, I was so uncomfortable with the businessy aspect of it, you know, which again is another reason why also I was so um, happy that, that, that the nature of the industry is that you have an agent because the agent is the one who, you know, um, um, you know, submits you for work and negotiates your contracts, negotiates your rates. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's not my forte, those kind of things, you know, but anyway, so, so, so when this was going on with this agent, like I, I, I really didn't realize just because of my obliviousness to the entire, like how, like what, how much work he was doing for me behind the scenes, because he did understand that aspect. And he was trying to build my career and, and further my career and further my opportunities. And let's say like, you know, in, um, in, I think brave new girl, you know? So I, I didn't know this was a thing, but one of my friends who was going to pilot season, like saw the trailer, I guess, for, for brave new girl. And he said to me, oh, whoa, you got an introducing credit. That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, is that like a thing? Like, I didn't know that's a thing. That's a milestone. That's that like, I didn't even know that because it said in the trailer, you know, so-and-so that you've heard of and -and so-and-so that you've heard of and introducing Jackie Rosenbaum Uh because you've never heard of, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess they just said that because no one's heard of me. So they have to, like, I didn't realize that my agent probably, negotiated that like that's uh that's like a thing you know what I mean Uh and I was just so not in that world that I I didn't realize that when I basically this is getting to this part of the story that when I when I went to Israel for that month you know to six weeks or whatever and and my agent actually called me in the in the middle of that um month I mean there's a whole story there too but just the short version of it is that he's like guess what I might have just got you a you know an audition um a gig without you having to even audition I'm like oh my gosh amazing okay like what happened it was like I think I just did another project with the same something producers or something and he sent them my demo reel and he goes so usually what happens is they audition several people however many and then for the callbacks you know they narrow it down to more let's say they see I don't know eight people ten people and then they narrow it down to I don't know four people and then they name somebody as like 
first pick or something like this person right now is first pick, but let's see how the callbacks go, you know? So from my, I never even heard of this role at the time. And my agent told me that just from the demo reel he submitted, and maybe I worked with them before or whatever, he goes, right now, your first pick. <laughs> and I'm like, I never even auditioned. He goes, so I just wanted to give you a heads up because you might need to fly back. This was when I was in Israel that, that month, you know, you might need to fly back within like a couple of days notice. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, <laughs> and, um, and I ended up getting it and, um, it was like a, you know, a guest lead on a series that was shooting here at the time with Vivica A. Fox, um, that was called missing. It was called 1-800-MISSING, I guess. And they changed it later to just missing. It was a really fun role. And that's basically what happened the next, like, Basically, I ended up going back for another six months, and that was also hard for my agent. He told me that he wrote me that also that Twitches was doing a sequel that they wanted me to come back for, and I ended up flying back for that also, and then going back. There was a lot of a lot of stories of like, um, you know, like divine providence and help and intervention or whatever. And then that was always my idea. I was always like planning on, you know, I want to go, go to Israel and soak it up and whatever, and then come back and work and then kind of like, you know, go to Israel when I can and come back and forth and, you know, and continue um, my career or whatever. And so that's what I was doing for the first, I guess, few years (laughs) Mm -hmm. that since going to Israel. Right. And, um, and then like, I guess I just, I was starting to get a lot of, um, I don't know, like, I guess messages or whatever that like, that maybe, you know, on camera work is not the mostly, you know, modest or appropriate career for like a girl who's becoming religious, you know, to have. And, you know, and even some of the people and some of the rabbis even were maybe really just one (laughs) that I can think of. But anyway, was, um, you know, was, was supportive of me continuing to do it. But at the same time, I read into it at the time, right? That because of all the other messages I was hearing from everybody else also, that like, that it's just because I kind of like can't do anything else. Like that's what it, I got the feeling of the rabbi who said, well, look, you're doing this. Cause like, you know, it's like, I didn't go to school. Right. I didn't have, I don't have, I didn't study a backup career or get backup skills in some other fallback thing. So I think he just kind of felt like, look, if this is what you've been doing and this is kind of like all you can do, then like, well, you have to just be able to do it. Cause you have to like make a living somehow, you know? So even with the support of that, I kind of just, felt like, oh, I guess if I was like, like better or whatever, I wouldn't like, I shouldn't want to do it. And right. It's not the right thing really. Like if I do it, it's just because I'm like, not like strong enough to do something else or not good or I don't, you know what I'm saying? And there was like a lot of those kind of like messages and really mixed feelings that were going on. And it was, it was really hard for me. And in hindsight, I, um, you know, I ended up telling my agent that I wanted to stay one more year, which was a hundred percent true because I, I, I got a scholarship. Actually, I was studying when I went back and forth, I was studying at like a, you know, at like a religious, you know, seminary. educational institution seminary. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I did get scholarship funding to go back for another year, which was amazing. And I, and I wanted to take that opportunity, but then also over that year, I was just, I was in that kind of environment the whole time. And, and I was, you know, not only getting those kind of messages, I was also trying to tell myself like, oh, like, I shouldn't want to do this. This isn't the, you know what I'm saying? I should just like, stay here and do different things. And okay, that was, that was great. I'm very grateful for what I was able to do then. But now I need to do something different, you know, and I was kind of like, 
I guess like looking back, like I was trying to convince myself or I was trying to like, you know, I don't know, prepare myself or strengthen myself. Like I was like, I shouldn't want to go back and do this. It was like, I don't know if like I saw it as like a weakness if I would go back and just to do my career because I, you know, just to make money. And that seemed like such a low, like, you know, like reason to do something. And, you know, and I, and I, and I don't think I even appreciated also how much like it meant to me as a person, like how it, it, I, I clearly never saw it as just a career because I didn't even, I had to be like taught, you know, from like dumb mistakes and stuff like that, that it was even like a career and something I'm supposed to like <laughs> work at <laughs> advancing, you know, in, in ways beyond just the, the, the artistic uh, or creative, creative aspect of it. And like, anyway, so I, um, so I think I was in a bit of, 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 of cognitive dissonance. You know, I didn't, I don't know if I really made the decision to like stay in Israel and leave my career. Like I, I guess I kind of decided to do that at the time, but I didn't really like, it wasn't something that I really like felt with my whole being, this is the right thing. And I don't want to do that anymore, you know? So I kind of ended up passively. And this was really, I was, I was very like disappointed in myself that I, you know, I didn't call my agent after the year and say, listen, I'm not sure what I want to do. I'm, I'm trying to work some stuff out. People are telling me this and that. Like, I didn't know because I, it was so unclear to myself also that I didn't call him because I didn't know what to say because I didn't even know what I was thinking, you know, and what I wanted to do. And I, and because I didn't really maybe want to leave, you know, but I, but I thought that that I was supposed to, I, I wasn't, I wasn't at the at a, at a place like you know of maturity and the understanding of what, of what was happening and what I was grappling with and what I was deciding you know between or whatever that I just didn't I didn't um I wasn't upfront with him I didn't I didn't reach out to him because I didn't make a decision I didn't know what to do you know so then like he called me <laughs> after like sometime in that summer and he was just like so what's going on and I was gone like um I don't know yet whatever and he was like listen, let's just face it. You moved to Israel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I hadn't been there for a year and a half. Like, you know, and, and, the, and the fact that a year and a half? I was out, I was in Israel for a year and a half. Yeah. Maybe not straight. Maybe I flew back to do like, oh. you know, the Twitch sequel and the other, some other stuff in, in, in the meantime, but I was basically there for at least that year, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, even the fact that he, that he was okay to wait for me for that year, like I have so much gratitude, like that was so special. And so, uh, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that was so way above and beyond. And, and again, it was always my intention, like to go back and continue the career, but I was so pulled. I was drawn to Israel anyway. I'm still obsessed with Israel. Israel is the best, but it's like, you don't have to leave your career. You know what I mean? To do that. And it wasn't, yeah, that's the next thing I want to go into soon, but I want to, if you have another question, I've been talking for a long time. So. <laughs> Okay, actually, let's take a break one minute. I just need okay. to freshen, freshen up. We'll continue okay. from here. Okay, I'll be right sure. back. Sure, no problem. Pause the recording. Okay, so we're back. Okay, so Jackie, um, so, t- so you, you were talking about how you your agent had called you up and and said that, okay, so now you live in Israel. Basically, you're you're out of the industry. You know, it was nice. It was nice knowing you. <laughs> so yeah. where, do, where do we go from there? So I guess, you know, I was, um, cause I, I, w- I had been thinking at the time that that's supposed to be what I'm supposed to want to do. So I guess like my, honestly, my first instinct 
was probably to tell him like, no, wait a sec. Let me just, let me get back to you. Let me think about the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I sh- you know, I had a year to think about it. Right. But it was just like a bit of a, I guess, I don't know, confusing year or whatever, but I, that was my first instinct. But then I was like, well then I don't know what am I going to tell him? And I, I, I was like, I'm not going to have the, um, you know, courage to tell him, yes, I'm leaving, you know what I'm saying? And this is the right thing and what I decided. So I was like, so maybe I should just let him do it. I'm like, maybe this is just like a get, you know, it's like, he's making it easier for me because I don't have to make that hard decision. So let I just let kind you of, go. You mean, let, let him let you go and, yeah. and, and focus on other clients. Yeah, whatever that I, and that I would focus on other things and be just be in Israel and live that life and go in that direction. And, you know, the way that I thought I was like supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, but then again, because I think if I would have, I, I don't think I would have called him and just out of my volition say, I'm not coming back. You know what I'm saying? Cause in hindsight, I was like, I, I wasn't really totally, I wasn't so behind that decision, but at the same time, I was like, I want to be, you know what I'm saying? I thought it was like in a couple of years, I'm going to probably feel like that. So I should just do that already. If I know that it's the right thing to do, I should just do it and skip there. You know what I mean? So that's why it's like, when he said that, I was like, you know, I was like, should I say, no, wait, I'm coming back soon, but I don't know when, but let me just call you back um, tomorrow or something, you know? And I was just like, Maybe I should just not say anything because he's doing the hard work for me. You know what I'm saying? Which is, again, which just made me look probably like a jerk. You know what I'm saying? Because I just like didn't call him and didn't. And it was just like, oh, yeah, I moved to Israel and I didn't bother to tell you. Like, I mean, I don't know what, you know, like and and it took me like years to even realize that because what was going on in my head and in my world at the time was so different that, again, like it just it, it, I, I feel awful with like how it came off and what I did really it's it's I did that you know what I'm saying like I wasn't thinking that I was doing that but I did it's like all the work that he put into me and my career and helping me and and waiting for me and being patient and understanding and dealing with this whole traveling and still trying to book me and trying to you know and waiting for me and that mm-hmm. I anyway so when so when he did that I was like all right I guess I'll just I'll just let him fine this is fine this is this is the right thing anyway. And you know what, for, for, for a good few years, I was like, okay, yeah, like I don't miss it. It's fine. I was living my life in Israel. I was trying to do other things and focus on different things. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about it really. Cause I was in a different world and I was invited, you know, like people found out that I used to do acting. So, you know, they do plays like women's plays or, you know, they had these, and some of them were, were pretty fun, big productions or whatever, but you know, it's different. But it was really fun. And I got a lot of, you know, every now and then I would do one of those and meet cool, creative, you know, religious women. And that was great, you know, but I wasn't really, I don't think I was looking for that because I figured like, okay, I did that a lot before. And now I want to focus more on like, you know, learning and doing different things and trying to, you know, trying to like build a different sort of, I guess, you know, life or lifestyle or something like that, that I, again, that I thought was that I was supposed to not because me as an individual was supposed to, and that's what I want to like bring up next, but uh-huh. that somebody like me who's religious is like not supposed to like, you know, do things like know. that, even though I was like doing it already. So like the main two things that I want to, I think that, that I got out of it that I think is also universal, right. That it's like that, everybody really is an individual, like for a reason. It's not like just the kind of thing that people say, you know what I mean? And like, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He didn't put me in 
a religious home in Israel. It doesn't mean that I can't become religious or move to Israel, but it does mean that it's like, you know, if I, I, I was already doing something that he already was showing me success in and showing me a path in and from, from an internal place guiding me to, you know, that that's something that's, that's, that's not the kind of thing that you're supposed to just like throw away, even just from, even just from a spiritual perspective, not even talking about from a, from like a, like a career perspective or anything like that. So the, so the one thing is like that, regardless of whether somebody's drawn to an art or like a, you know, an artistic career path or, or, or anything else. I think that um, it's really, really important for people. Like I'm saying, if university students or pre-university students are, you know, watching like this, I think a lot of people are under pressure for, from, you know, not just from a religious perspective, but from parental or peer perspective that like you need to go into one of these careers, not you as an individual, but you, the collective general you, a person just needs to go into some specific career or, you know, these, only these four careers are okay. So you have tons of anything you want to choose out of these four is fine. You know, like express your individuality in like doctor, lawyer, accountant, I don't know, whatever, or whatever dentist, whatever, you know, mindset somebody has because of certain, you know, end goals that they think, well, you know, who, or, or even if people look into, oh, well, you know, actuary or this or that, like how much do, you know, what careers make this amount of money, you know, and then like, okay, I'll choose one of those, you know, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it's, so important, so important for people to really like resist those, any external voices, wherever they're coming from, if it's, you know what I'm saying? Um, that they need to go into something that's, that's, that suits them and that they're drawn to. Oh, by the way, so this is the second thing. It's going to basically make the same point, but also it's like the way that I realized that, first of all, I kind of always knew that in general. And that, and so that's why I thought that my story was a little bit backwards for most people. Cause some people, or I guess a lot of people, they kind of, um, experience that where either their parents or some, some sort of like external pressure thing was saying, Oh, you can't go into this, you know, um, creative career path because, you know, you, you, you can't make money that way and you have to do something practical or you have to at least have a backup plan or whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden they realize they're unhappy and then they go and pursue their real thing and then they're happy. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was like the opposite. Like, thank God my parents, just, you know, wanted us to be happy, me and my brother, you know, whatever we wanted to do, like, they were like, okay, <laughs> like, so I didn't, thank God, you know, I didn't experience any of that. And it's so funny, because obviously, any thinking person would obviously say, like, why are you going to theater school? What, you think you're going to make a career as an actor? Like, what's wrong with you? But I was as oblivious to, you know, even to, to the career um aspect of, of, the, of the acting stuff, I was also, you know, like a lot of kids or teenagers are and I and I think that's a good thing I think that I think it's there for a reason because then it's it's allowing us to really make decisions not from the like I know that all the parents want to help and I I, I understand I would probably give similar advice in some ways to people like okay you think that you're so oh I just want to do this you're 16 17 but when you get to be my age and there's tuition you have to pay and there's this and bills and blah 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 you need to think ahead like I wish that I would have that I would have known when I was your age to do this and this and this but then it, it it can interfere with that you know I think there's a reason why kids don't think that and don't have those responsibilities yet the one thing I would say though is that I do think that people should inform kids about student loans okay because that's 
serious. No, I'm telling you, you yeah. can't, you know, oh, you go, uh, they don't realize how much then the interest and like, you're just, that's not cool. And that's another thing for me that I thought was a blessing. Cause I, I took also student loans for my first year of university and also my second year. And then when I was able to get most of that tuition back in the second year, I was standing in line because, you know, I was already working, thank God, which most 18 year olds are not able to just pay off their student loan the next year. It was a huge blessing. And even I remember when I was standing in the line of, of, of paying back in full my first year and I could afford it and it wouldn't affect my like, you know, I, I wasn't paying so many bills that I was, you know, and I remember wow, it was a horrific feeling to owe that much money. And it was only one year mm-hmm. and I could pay it back that day without it interfering with my lifestyle. And it was still terrifying. And the fact that when I, you know, that nobody tells kids that, that what, what that's going to really look like in the real world when you need to so right away, you know, they're starting at their first job and dealing with debt of like four years or eight years of, of, of school. I don't know. To me, that was terrifying. And that's, that's something that I think that people should be more informed about before. Cause a lot of people fall in that trap, you know what I'm saying? And before they're, there's any way they could possibly understand the potential, you know, repercussions. But anyway, (laughs) tell tell me, you said you're saying at this point in your, in your life, you, you can, you can trace, retrace your steps and see that the whole time that you were, you, according to the new community that you were in, you, you were not supposed to be acting. And then, and now at this point, you realize that this is really where God was leading you all the time. So yeah. what, where, what, what was the epiphany where, how did that come about where you realized, you know, I have to now go back to acting. Okay. It's a good question. Um, and it actually was, it was literally one moment in a class that I was taking in Israel. I was, um, I was taking a class. I could say the rabbi's name, right? Sure. <laughs> rabbi Kalaman, Rabbi Lawrence Lave Kalaman, fantastic brilliant teacher and person. And um, I was taking his class on a book called Chovos Halavavos or Chovot Halavavot or Duties of the Heart, uh-huh. right? Which a lot of people have heard of. And he was going, I think it was even just the um, the chapter on 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 bitachon, right? Shar habitachon, the 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 gate of, or the chapter of trust in God, you know? So that's mostly about, Parnasa about like making a living. Like, how do we, what is the right approach to how to trust God that he will provide our sustenance for us? Okay. So at the time when I was, let's say, trying to, you know, stay in Israel and go in a different career path and go on what I thought was the, the right path in general, right? I thought because I didn't learn enough yet, I, I'd learned for already a few years, but I guess that particular thing, I wasn't educated enough to know. So I thought that well, we have to trust in Hashem for our livelihood. So that means that as long as I, whatever I do, you know, I could just choose a different career and I'll open, you know, a channel to receive, you know, blessing or sustenance or whatever. And then Hashem can just provide that because that's how it works. It's just about trust. And it doesn't matter what I do. That's what I really thought. And I was like, you know, Hashem was taking care of me up until now. Of course, he's going to continue taking care of me, especially because I'm trying to live in Israel. I'm trying to live like a good life and do the right thing and everything. You know, of course, he's going to, you know, and like he did. I'm not saying he didn't take care of me, but it was, you know, it was it, it, anyway, what clicked with me in this class at some point, because it was like every week, we, you know, he would learn a little bit inside and we would talk about it and whatever it was this whole class. So all of a sudden he was he started to talk about 
the part where the author of the Chava Salvavos was explaining how to, basically that one of the um, requirements of having even, of, of, of having trust that you're getting the right amount of livelihood is that you have to choose the right career for you. That's actually part of it. Okay, so if a person didn't choose the right career for themselves, then that means that they almost, I may be exaggerating a little bit for effect, but like maybe they don't even have like a right to expect that what they're making is, you know, because even you make a lot of money, but then you could have a lot of expenses, you could pay a lot of taxes, you could have who knows what happened or like the some somebody drives through your living room or something, God forbid, like some crazy, you know, that like, so just because you're, you know, even when you're looking into the careers of, oh, I need, you know, oh, who makes 80,000 a year? Who makes 200,000 a year? What do I, you know what I'm saying? And then you think, oh, now I'm set, but it doesn't work that way because Parnassa really is a, it's about the net, you know what I'm saying? And God can control that. We think that we're going to control, I'm going to choose a career where I'm going to make, you know, $250,000 a year. And um, then I'm going to, well, pay off my student loan and then I'm going to be set. You know what I mean? You don't know what could happen any year, any time that Hashem decides if you're going to have, you know, extra expenses or what's going to happen. Like we think we're in control and we're anyway, not that's first of all. So that's why anyway, it's not the, the wisest thing to necessarily choose a career based on what is supposed to be the average income, because also a person could not get a job at some point, like who knows, or COVID could happen and anything could, you know what I'm saying? So that's one thing. Now, one of the things about choosing a career that's suited for us. So he gives an example, let's say of like, you know, if a person, let's say is, you know, small and like, doesn't have so much upper body strength and like, isn't into working out, like probably they shouldn't, you know, decide uh, to make a business as a mover, you know, like hauling people's fridges and whatever, right? It's just not appropriate for that person, even if they love and they love to help people and they think that, you know, and their friend moving and they, it's not the right thing for them, right? It needs to suit them also physically, also intellectually, they, they need, they need to be drawn to it. It needs to be something that they're drawn to, that they're good at. And I think also that they've, I don't remember if this was from this class or another class, but something that they, they start seeing success in, but I want to bring in quickly because it's appropriate. Something I learned in another class when I was in seminary, which is, you'll probably remember, which it's from something I think in Bamidbar or something about the, when the Jews were going out to war, like it says that, you know, first it says um, people who are 20 and then it says 25 or something. There's like this five year discrepancy between where it says in one place and another place. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, whatever. 30, yeah. What, what? 25 and 30. 25 I think. and 30. Okay, right. So then I don't remember who, but one of the commentaries, one of the things that's learned from that for for people in general, generations, is that if you're um, if you're pursuing a career path or a business or this and that, if if after five years a person doesn't see success in it, that's an indication that they're they're not meant, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. They should go on a different path, you know? So that's also like something, I, I think that there was something like that was touched upon in the, in the house of us also, but whatever that, you know, so, so they have to be seeing some signs of, of success that this is the right thing for them. They have to feel like it is, they have to be good at it, you know? And also now this was where the penny dropped for me for some reason. Okay. When it got to the point in this um chapter or whatever, that it said another factor is that, you know, since every career has positives and negatives, the negatives of the career path, even if it's something 
that you're good at and they're drawn to and you like and all the, all, everything else fits. Also, it has to be that the negatives of it um, are not too like difficult for you or too intolerable. Like you have to be able to tolerate the negatives because everything has positive and negative. So the positives are amazing. But if the negatives are too much for you that you're just going to hate, like, you know, it's not, it's not going to be able to work. So the negatives also have to be something that you can handle. And at that point, for some reason, I had this major epiphany. Why? I'll tell you. Okay. When I was doing, I remember I told you I did some plays sometimes with religious women and whatever. So the truth is, some of them are very, very talented. Some of these people who are performing, who were doing other careers or decided to like just be a mother or whatever, but they're very, very like talented enough that they, if they wanted to pursue a career in acting, I, I'm sure they would be successful. Like they're that good. There are some people who are, you know, who have fun and do a good job and it's cute and it's whatever. And there are some people who are literally stellar. They're amazing. Now, every now and then, when I would be, you know, in rehearsal or something with, with one of these people and I would hear them say stuff like, oh, like, whoa, I could never do this as a career. I'd be like, why? Oh, you have to just wait around so much you have to do this. You know, you have to rehearse over and over. Sometimes you have to do the same thing over and over. Yeah. Like they were just complaining about those kind of things. And those were the two major complaints that I would hear people. Oh, you have to wait around. And I was just like, wait around. Who cares? Are you joking? Like, so bring something to do. Like when I was on set in, in a heartbeat, I was still in school. You know, I, I would bring my calculus textbook and I would like do calculus or like learn your lines or hang out. I would bring like Scrabble boards and I would play Scrabble with people in between like on the set, you know, like who can like seriously, I, I couldn't believe that people thought that waiting around, like, whereas you can bring anything to do and you can fill your time with anything you want or prepare or you know that that was uh, like what would you rather be doing I couldn't understand and the fact that okay doing it over and over I get that sometimes that's hard but again for me for whatever reason I just it just naturally just seemed very obvious to me as part of the package and I didn't mind like I wanted it to be good if it needed to be done again even if it's just because it's another angle and sometimes yeah it's hard to get into the same emotional state and the whatever but I was just like but that's, that's just what we do. That's just how it goes. Like, what do you mean? Like who? So when, whenever people would complain about that, it would, it would make such an impression on me because I was so shocked that anybody like that, that's such a big deal to anybody that they literally wouldn't do that as a career because of those minor things. And then when I heard that in the sheer, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the difference you know what I'm saying? Between the draw that Hashem put in me versus the other people. The other people are extremely talented, extraordinarily talented, like impressively talented. But that wasn't the career path for them because they weren't drawn to it as a career and they couldn't, they didn't want to deal with the negatives. Whatever they did do as a career, it's because that, you know, and they still felt fulfilled enough to be able to, they just wanted it as an outlet, you know, they were talented, they hopefully need an outlet for things like that. And it's very, very good for them to be doing things like that with their talent. Right. So, but, but all of, and you know, and that's what people are telling me, Oh, you can do, you know, I, I did start, you know, I was teaching drama. I, I wrote a whole class on, you know, helping people actually have um, Kavana and Tfila through acting, through actually acting, not theory, but through like scene study and things like that. It's this whole thing, you know, and that that's very rewarding and everything. So it's like, people are trying to tell me, okay, so you could do it sometimes. And that's what I, you know, I kind of believed that I was like, sure. Ah, I do it. Don't do it. I did that already. It's okay. It's not, 
all that I do. I never defined myself as I'm an actor and that's all I do and that's all I want to do and that's all there is to me. I had so many other even passions, I would say, and interests and things that drew me. But again, when I was deciding where to go to university, let's say, I asked, I was like, how do I decide? I'm interested in so many things. And I asked myself the question, what could I, what could I picture myself doing for most of the day, you know, without being either too bored or annoyed or frustrated or whatever? And acting was the only answer. Like it just, it wasn't even, I couldn't, I just couldn't imagine myself actually being involved in anything else for most of the day. That's all. It was such a dumb question, but it was, I couldn't do anything else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like after that, I went up to Robert Kellerman at the end and I was like, oh my gosh, like, was I supposed to be like doing that? Like, was that, how, was this like, you know? And he goes, yeah, I always supported your acting career. Of course, that's what you should be doing. I was like, oh my gosh, like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all that turned on its head. And then I like, you know, it was still like a process of kind of like realizing that and coming to terms and then thinking back about what, you know, I'm saying like, you, you, you know, you can't have regrets because I, at the time I, I don't know. I, I just didn't know that. And I was trying to make decisions with the information that I had and with what I thought was the right thing. And, you know, I just, and it also, I guess it kind of feels either maybe even selfish or arrogant to be like, Oh, I, I need to be ex expressing myself creatively or I need to be, you know what I'm saying? I was like, fine, I'll do something else. It'll be fine. I'll, you know, I was like up for it. I was like, you know, to look for something else that wasn't necessarily so, you know, I wasn't in it for the glamour anyway, from the, from the beginning. So I was like, fine, you know, I, I want to just do the right thing and, you know, live a good life and do what I'm supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, I realized literally from this moment of learning this in this class that maybe that was or is what I'm supposed to do. I don't, I, uh, whoa. And it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty, um, and it was pretty life-changing. And there you go. There's still a little, you know, there's a, follow there's up about that. More to, more to say about how you actually got back to where, back into it. Okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. But, but, but <laughs> the details, that's, that's details. And I'm sure there's, there's more, you know, <laughs> But I have, I, I, everyone's going to want to know this. And I want, at least I want to know this. <laughs> um, the, probably, I assume that what you were feeling from the beginning as you were, as you were, as your life was changing, you were incorporating um, Torah into your life, that, that, that you described that you, that the people around you were not so supportive of, of a religious girl being an actress, I imagine that was revolving around the issue of modesty, which you, which you mentioned. So meaning modesty, meaning that, that in general, right. the Torah does, you know, this, um, I don't know, inc encourages us to not do things, whether men or women, not do right. things that draw unnecessary attention to ourselves. And the whole, the whole idea of film is <laughs> and theater is that here you are on display. Right. And everyone's looking at you and following and, and identifying with you and following your story and, and mm. identifying with emotions that you're putting across. So how do you now, it, how did you struggle with that? And, and how do you, how do you understand that now? And how do you, how do you, how do you work that into your, into your career? Okay. Excellent question. And first of all, thank you for explaining it that way, because it just shows how, like how easy it is for people, like how, how, What's, I don't know what the right word is right now. I'm sorry, but like how like clear it was that like how easy it was that, that, that everywhere I turned that people were saying stuff like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's the most obvious thing. 
to yeah. anybody who's religious and who's been religious for a while, which is who I was surrounded by, you know? So it just even like validates like why I haven't been there even for, even for less than a year, let alone a whole year, year and a half that hearing things like that, that of course that can't be the right thing to do, you know? So it just really makes sense and maybe even validates if that's the right buzzword, you know, that, that, that I was in that mindset or that I got, you know, that I, that I drew that conclusion, let's say, even though it didn't necessarily resonate with me as an individual that I was like, okay, it doesn't matter. I, my feelings are not the most important thing in the world. I love doing it. I want to do it, but you know what? Yeah, there's a God in the world. There's right things. And there's, I, I shouldn't want to do that. So I think it's, it's, it's very, you know, it makes sense that that's uh, the, the messaging and the, you know, that I was getting and the conclusions I was drawing from, from the environment I was in. So thank you for that. <laughs> and um, so the one thing, the first thing I want to say is actually that even when, before I started becoming religious and when I was working, like even on the Disney show and on the, you know, um, I wasn't really, I wasn't, um, challenged by anything really modesty wise. Like I was, I was the, you know, the wardrobe that they put you, I mean, generally they, they also, you know, they, they, they like things to happen like in, as neutral an environment as possible, usually. So usually they don't put anybody in either like winter clothes or summer clothes. You know what I'm saying? Everything is just like random spring day, random middle of the, you know, fall, spring. So like I was, I was wearing long sleeves basically all the time. I was basically dressing just in terms of dress, let's say I was dressing probably more modestly than I was in my real life in, in my, in my work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, so, and also just, yeah, the, the, the storylines that I was involved in, there wasn't anything crazy going on anyway. So like there, I had no indication, like, it's not like, you know, a lot of people come from, you know, they have these like Hollywood to the Holy land and whatever people in the music industry. And then they realize the emptiness and the whatever, and they were struggling. I just happened not to have been, that wasn't my experience. That's another thing, right? Just because everybody else sees, no, once you reach the pinnacle of whatever, and you realize the emptiness of it. Whoa. But the thing is, I wasn't, I was never, sorry. <laughs> I just felt something. I thought it was like a creepy crawly. Okay. It wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah. So first of all, that, that was never my aspiration anyway, also. Right. Right. And yeah, so I think that's also why maybe if people are chasing like, oh, once I get a house like this in Beverly Hills, then I know I made it and then I'm going to be OK inside or whatever. And then they realize that's not true and they look for more. That just wasn't my experience because, A, that wasn't what I was searching for. B, like, I, I felt fine. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I was just doing what I liked and, you know, then hanging out with my friends and doing things I thought were fun and working, which was the most fun and auditioning, which is the most fun and that's it I wasn't looking you know what I'm saying I wasn't I clearly wasn't because I wasn't even I didn't even know that I could do things mm -hmm. to try to advance besides just you know passively auditioning when I got the audition you know what I'm saying as opposed to actively yeah. schmoozing or doing all these things so it's like that's why I didn't miss any like I didn't I wasn't looking for some sort of validation, external validation from the career that then I would only realize once I reached a certain level that it didn't provide because of course, you know, there is more to the world and there is a spiritual dimension and you can't, it doesn't work that way, no matter what field you're in. You think, oh, when I make my first million, then when you make a million, you're like, a million is nothing. I'm not talking for myself. I'm <laughs> saying in general, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always when you get to a certain level, you realize 
that you like you're just in a now you're in a different category with people who that doesn't impress anymore you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying so if you're looking at things to just be impressive and then you realize you're never there's always going to be someone that you're not or a lot of people that you're just not going to impress because you know what i'm saying so whatever so that again just from my personal experience that's i think people projected on me maybe that since most people deal with that, that that must've been what, you know, some people ask me to speak every now and then I would speak at schools or camps or whatever, or different groups. And like a couple of times people, I said, Oh, what do you want me to speak about? Whatever. And a couple of times people said, Oh, tell them about how, how empty it is and how bad it was and talk about only the bad things. Maybe I shouldn't feel like revealing this, but a couple of people had said that that's, they want, you know what I'm saying? Because they want people, because everyone looks at, Oh, acting is so glamorous and they want to be actors and they want to, you know, and they want to discourage that. And I understand it's not the kind of thing, but the thing is you shouldn't do it because of glamour. You shouldn't do anything because of glamour, even being a lawyer. You want to be a hotshot lawyer because you think it's going to impress people, or you want to be an actor because you think it's going to impress people, or that it's going to fulfill some, you know, thing, empty need or hole or whatever in you emotionally or spiritually. It's not, you know what I mean? So they wanted me, they thought that of course everything was so negative and everyone was so mean and everyone was so, you know, you meet people in any situation unfortunately, because people are people, right? They could be actors, they could be lawyers, they could be religious people, they could be atheists. Some of them are going to be the nicest people in the world, and some of them are not. Some of them are going to have serious emotional issues, and they're going to take them out on other people one way or another. And it doesn't matter what environment you're in. So whether, like, if, if if it was not the right choice for me to continue acting... It doesn't have to be because I had negative experiences and it doesn't have to be because, you know, you have to paint a picture of this scary world. You know, a lot of people did experience that. And honestly, maybe if I went to LA or maybe if I got, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe I would have experienced that. God forbid. I hope not. But so far I didn't. I just didn't. I had only wonderful, mostly the ones I choose to remember anyway, where, you know, it was like (laughs) wonderful enough that it didn't deter me and it didn't like you know, send me into some hole of depressing, whatever, self-doubt or anything like that. But um, in terms of, let's say, coming back to do it now, or like, let's say in the last few years and how to deal with the modesty issue. So one of the things, first of all, that I'm hopefully, I'm not going to be doing anything also on screen that I wouldn't hopefully um, do in my regular life, except sometimes there are things where I'll like, you know, I'll ask uh, a rabbi, I've done that for, for auditions or, you know, whether I'm deciding whether to audition for something or not, or to do, I'll sometimes call you know, a a particular rabbi who knows, you know, he's kind of also been on my journey and he's very, very, very learned. And, um, and he was also encouraging actually of me going back into it when I, not just encouraging, he actually, um, he, he was one of the people who actually, it was almost like it was his idea. (laughs) Like, I don't know if this story is relevant, but you cut it out if not, but basically I, I called him once about this audition for something like a few years ago. And, um, he said, basically, you know, you shouldn't really be doing things that are going to have that much exposure, you know, to, to a certain, you know, like that, that was part of the, of the, of the, um, the, the, the road back or whatever. Right. I was like, okay, look, I need to be doing this for myself, but you know, I want to obviously only do it in the right ways and with the right projects and whatever. So I was asking about it and he said, look, you know, you shouldn't do stuff that's going to have like so much um, exposure, general exposure or something like that. So I said, okay, fine. You know, so obviously there were at the beginning, like, I guess, fewer opportunities then. And I was right. 
And then there was this audition for something that was supposed to air in this specific, I don't know, province in Canada. I don't remember anymore. And um, so I called and I was like, okay, this is fine, right? I mean, it's going to have general exposure there. I don't know what's going to be in the future, but this is okay, right? He goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I was like, okay, great. And I was going to audition for it. And then when I looked back at the breakdown or whatever, which is what says, you know, when it's going to air and where and what the shoot dates are and the rehearsal dates and all these things, I noticed, I didn't notice it the first time, but I said, um, it also said, you know, internet or something, you know, like that it was also going to be on, I don't know what, some sort of network, like, I mean, you know, internet thing. So I was like, oh man, I'm like, you can't get more general than that. Like anybody could access that probably, you know? So I called the rabbi back and I was like, okay, look, I don't even know why I'm calling back. I know it's going to be a no, but like, I saw that this thing that was supposed to be in, I don't know, New Brunswick or whatever is also going to be aired on the, the internet, some their station of whatever, I don't know what. So I'm like, so I can't, I can't do it. Right. You know? And I was like, I don't even know why I'm calling. Cause obviously, you know, and he goes, you know what? You could do it. And I said, what, why, how, what do you mean? And he goes, look, it, this is your Parnassah. Like, you can do it. It's okay. Like, and at that point, I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it's because he heard something in me in the way that I was expressing it and how much, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I was willing to let it go. I, I got, I got where he was coming from about not doing things for general exposure or whatever. But I think it's a certain point because he also, he'd known me from before, the beginning of my journey and then leaving acting and being in Israel. He's in Israel, this particular rabbi. Um, and, you know, and trying to do other things and seeing some success in other things also with this, you know, with Siata Deshmaya, whatever, uh, divine assistance and doing other things, but then kind of coming back and, and after so long being drawn back to it again and, tr- and trying so hard to do it all in the right way and to not, you know what I'm saying? And asking about what's the right thing? What can I do? What can't I do? I don't know exactly what it was, but at a certain point, he, at that point, <laughs> he said to me, you know what? This is your Parnassa. You can do it. You know, like this is, this is who you are or something like that. And I, and again, the feeling that I had from that, I was, I couldn't believe it. I was so I was like overwhelmed and I was overjoyed and I was like, oh my gosh, like it was just another signpost to me. And this is a very conservative rabbi. This is a rabbi who hasn't left Jerusalem. He doesn't live in Jerusalem. He hasn't left Israel, lives near Jerusalem. He hasn't left Israel like probably since he got there, like 40 years ago. He doesn't eat out at restaurants because even with the highest texture, because he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a very, very like not into stuff like this. And in especially hearing that again, me as an individual, I'm not making a decision for everybody else. I'm not telling, you know, somebody who's, let's say, you know, grew up in a religious home and is going to a base Yaakov school right now and, and wants to be an actress that this is the right path for her. I don't know. Maybe it is for some people, maybe not, but she has her own circle and she has her own talent and draw and she needs to find her own path that's the right path not because she doesn't listen to anybody and she says I know this is right for me and I don't care I'm going to do whatever I want right but because she needs to say listen this is a thing I need to do I don't know how I want to do it in the right way but I want to I I, I need to be doing this and let's find an outlet for that and and see you know because again everybody has their own just because I'm doing it it doesn't mean it's right for everybody and I, I didn't even think it was right for me because it's in general not the kind of thing that people should be doing. So again, I'm not, you know, dressing in ways that I hopefully, you know, think are too whatever. And in terms of the, um, you know, exposure elements, I just, 
it's just, it's just that when, when something, that's why it was so hard for me. That's why it's like, oh, this can't be the kind of thing that I, that I could do. But, um, I just, Hashem creates individuals, you know what I mean? And if he was giving me so many signs, like also at the beginning, because again, with the five year thing, like I was, you know, Baruch Hashem, he, he gave me great work within months, which is, I, I didn't even realize or appreciate how sometimes it does take actors more than five years, but if they know that it's, you know, that it's what they want to do, sometimes they get their big break after 20 years, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, but like I was getting, I'm not saying I had like this big break, but you know, but I was getting good work that was, you know, respected, respectable, whatever, and, 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 a, and a very, very good um, trajectory in terms of people who are on this path, you know, and then also with because I tried to do the right thing and in the right way. And I still was, I wasn't actively looking for, I wasn't thinking that, oh, now I have this big hole in my life or whatever. And I was still getting now these signs that were that now from the religious world and the religious perspective and the, you know, educational perspective that I was actually missing information previously. And now that I'm getting more information, realizing how Hashem runs the world and how, you know, he, he gave each of us a path, you know, and, and it just seemed to be the right thing. I also just want to say when I decided, I think it was after that conversation with the rabbi, I think so. I remember I was having, I was back in Toronto and I was having coffee with a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in a while because I'd been in Israel and stuff. And I met her through acting, you know, in the beginning uh, stages and, um, you know, and we stayed in touch and she's awesome. And so, you know, we were hanging out and catching up. And then I said to her, you know, I think I, I think I want to, like come back and you know which is a crazy thing because it's it's usually not the easiest industry right that people just say oh yeah I'll just come back and, and you know no problem it's easy even if people are in it the whole time and working it's always you yeah. never can guarantee anything and you can never count you know so she was a little bit like listen you know maybe you should you know you, you there's not I don't know if you there's enough work and you know it's not like back when we were, you know, whatever, like working when we were kids and when we were whatever that, um, I don't know, she's like, it's changed or there's different stuff. I don't know. Whatever she was saying, she was kind of being like from a loving place, discouraging, like she's not catty at all. She's not the type of person, like she was just trying to like help me and be like, listen, maybe you shouldn't like, uh, get all excited, uh, quite yet. You know, I didn't do anything yet. I just got back. (laughs) So, um, and, um, and the truth is I naturally, I think I'm a person who's actually really easily discouraged. <laughs> like I remember when I was in university, I was taking a playwriting class and I wrote this whole play and then I had friends of mine put it up and I was so excited or whatever. And then this one friend I had read it, who's like a few years older than us. And, um, and she said, oh, nobody's going to be interested in like, about like a couple who doesn't live together. You know, so I was like in my early twenties when I read it, she's like, oh, no one's going to be interested in that. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And I just like literally like put it down and I like never touched it again. <laughs> like yeah. just cause one person said that, even though my other, you know what I'm saying? It's just like a negative, whatever. I just felt so discouraged. And then it's again, with the creativity, it was just so hard to like put myself out there when I already had somebody close to me, like criticize it. I'm like, fine. I yeah. just thought, I guess I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to do that. So when this friend said that also, that kind of thing came up for me, like, oh gosh, like why should I put myself out there and come, you know, to come back and think that, you know, and then I'm going to, it's going to be as easy for me. And it wasn't that it was easy, but that it was just, I was going to just start booking right away. Or I don't know, I didn't have expectations like that, but at all, you know, to just come back and think like, oh yeah, I can just come back and that's it. But like, I, because I had, I think behind me, the, the, 
the strength-ish of like that. It was just so clear to me when I heard in those classes, this is how you choose a career for yourself. Nothing else that I can think of or that I tried to do, nothing else fits all those criteria for me. Nothing, nothing. I, 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 I would, I would do it if I could probably. There are things that are much, much easier <laughs> to do. You know what I'm saying? But I, I, I had to acknowledge at that point that I don't think there's anything else for me to do. So part of also Bitachon and Parnasa and everything and trusting Hashem's giving you the right amount of what you need is that once you choose the right career, this is also part of it that from Chavos Lavavos and, and this also goes into like COVID, you know, it's like once you know that you're in the right career path, there's ups and downs for everybody, right? But you shouldn't change your career just because you're in a slump, even if a person's in a slump for a couple of years. And I wasn't in a slump. I wasn't even there yet. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but I'm saying if you, if you know that you went through the steps to say, what's the right career for me and you identified it. And, and again, it wasn't like a slump of that. You didn't get any success within the first five years, but like, you were like, this is my business and whatever. And then even if there's ups and downs, even as worldwide as COVID, there was also a, a safer, somebody was reading with me that was a commentary on this that said specifically COVID. Oh, this is going to be so controversial. I should probably cut this out. But anyway, <laughs> that like, that was those people, everybody's where they're supposed to be basically. And even if there was like the ups and downs, you need to, that's part of trust. More of the trust is during the downtimes, actually, you know, that it's like, look, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm committed to. This is what I'm doing. And if I'm not making as much as I was last year, that's because Hashem doesn't want me to. I'm not, I'm doing the right amounts of, you know, approximately the right amounts of work toward that, that everybody else in my, my peers in my career are, are doing. And if I'm doing that, that's what that, then whatever I get is what I'm meant to get. Some years are going to be amazing. Some are going to be hard or whatever. So with that, like, that was the only thing that even gave me the like strength to try to, you know, like to, to resist the, the discouragement of that, um, you know, which I understand. And I think what I said was, I was like, listen, only God is going to decide if, if, if I'm supposed to be doing this again, maybe that was the right thing for me. Then I still haven't figured out a better thing for me now, but you know, so it seems that maybe it, it's, it's the same thing, but I'm like, you know what? I, I have to, I have to, I have to try. I have to get back and, and allow that opportunity. And you know what? If God wants me to succeed again, then I will. If he doesn't, then it doesn't matter what I do. I won't. But if I don't try now that I've identified or like I, I, I not on purpose that I, it was identified for me that these are the elements that you are supposed to look at to decide what's the right thing to pursue to allow that to happen. And I, I couldn't really at that point, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I couldn't really ignore that. That's where it seems to be pointing for me. And it, and it was, it's very, very vulnerable, you know, to say that at the time when you don't know how things are going to go, but to say, listen, I have to, I have to try because that's what it seems to be was the right path for me or maybe is the right path for me, you know, and I'm not saying I'm going to succeed. I'm not saying this is the right thing. And therefore I, I have to succeed and God has to give me everything. You know what I'm saying? The right way or easy. But, but I was like, I, I have to, I have to do my best at this because that's my part and whatever happens, that's, you know, that's anyway, only up to God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you. That I think you answered that question very well. And uh, 
And sincerely, and I really appreciate your time with us. And I think that your message can can be very inspiring for for people in in all you know in all mm-hmm. of all interests for students of uh, students of film and one and uh, people that want to go into this industry and also just for in general. It's it's a very, it's a fascinating story. So thank you for sharing. I hope so. Us. Thank you so much. Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and and uh, Jackie, if I, anybody yeah. wants to find. If people want to find your work, where's the, is there like a, you have a website or is there a place, is there an agent or uh, how, <laughs> how do people find the, <laughs> how do people find okay. the, your, if you want to see what you've done? Oh, okay. So, um, so it's interesting because since COVID, like I was, you know, I was working on all these, I, I didn't have a website before, but I was told that I should, and that I should like, you know, redo my demo reel and all my materials or whatever. And honestly, I ended up getting some uh projects even in the meantime, which again was like, so it was like such a positive and like, you know, like hug from, (laughs) from God, I felt like that. It's like, you know what, you're doing your best. You're trying, even though you didn't get your website yet. You know what, here's a project. Here's another project. It's okay. You can, you know what I'm saying? But again, we have to do our best. So my website isn't finished yet. So Mm. hopefully it will be soon. But in terms of, let's say projects, um, I just filmed, uh, um, a feature called the rabbi's daughters, who it's just in post-production now. So hopefully they're going to like get the editing done. I, I can't, you know, but like we have a Facebook page as of now, but that's, you know, like just to kind of um, have some, you know, like in the meantime for the process. Mm-hmm. And um, the, there was also a project that I, th- everything's in post-production now though. So I, you can't really look it up yet. I did something called the flame. It was really cool. I became like a, like a teacher who kind of became like a cult leader type thing. That was really cool. But I, I'm happy to like keep, maybe by the time this airs or something, some of these will have more links that I can share. Okay. And, um, yeah. And, um, I mean, you can see my voice demo cause I still have a voice demo on, uh, I mean, I was able to update my voice demos basically and not my on camera demos yet, but on the characters website. Um, so maybe I can send you a link to that. Okay. And there's like the, you know, the commercial reel and the, and the animation reel. And hopefully my, um, my like on-camera clips and materials and demo and stuff is going to be up on my, uh, in progress website soon, which will be JackieRosenbaumOfficial.com. <laughs> okay. Very yeah. nice. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank oh, you so much, Jackie. Yeah. And there's also, there's also tefillahfromtheheart.com. That's a little different. That was my class that I, uh, it's really more for people or really women who are already, let's say like praying. They're already mm-hmm. like praying the, 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 the Amida, you know, the standing prayer, Shimon Esri, and that they want to, um, to learn better. Oh, I just froze. They want to, um, you know, like when I was starting to pray, I was learning different things about the intentions we're supposed to have and the things we're supposed to think about and focus on. And then when I was actually praying, I was like, how on earth am I supposed to like actually do that though? There's one thing about learning the theory. And there's another thing when you have to actually be present and whatever. And what ended up happening is I noticed that so many things from my acting background, that's what I was drawing from in order to kind of connect the dots between the Kavana that I was learning about and actually doing it in prayer. And I kept on noticing that. And one I kept on saying to myself, I need to write these down one day, you know? So one day I just forced myself right after uh, Mincha, I took a piece of paper and I just started 
rattling off all these things. I filled a page with these things. And I ended up developing this class with Rebbitzin Sephora Heller, who's now at Sephora Gottlieb. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, you know, like mentoring me on it. I, I asked her if I could kind of like run down things like here's what I have and you know she told me which book to look at and whatever and she ended up coming to the first um performance at the end of the first time that I taught the class in Jerusalem and so I ended up yeah so that's another thing that would be cool to talk about oh bless you (laughs) for people who want to you know like have a fun acting class it's actually an acting class I coach people in you know scenes or monologues and then that because that's how you learn you learn to use the tool for the acting and you see the fruits of it because you see that your scene came out better when you were able to focus on this and when you're able to be present and when you remembered this and that and all those principles when they actually do it themselves it's much easier to apply so it's a fun class because it's really an acting class and then you you know learn the kavanas and have little exercises to you know to kind of connect the two so that's been really fun so that's another thing people could check out if they want. okay amazing thank you so much Thank you also so much. Okay. Have a good day. You Bye-bye. too. Thank you. You've just listened to another great episode of Our Tribe, the podcast, brought to you by the Podcast Fellowship and hosted by Rabbi Tovia Kopstein. Tune in each week, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to hear more great episodes of Our Tribe, the podcast. If you have any suggestions or questions, email us at ourtribe at podcastfellowship.org. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help the tribe thrive.